Welcome to another episode of the Decent Rowing Podcast. I'm Lachlan Davey. I'm here with my dad, Ken Davey, and together we have the website decentrowing.com. And today we're going to be talking about gearing. It's a subsection on our page ringing on our website. Um, we're talking about the info, just a, a, basically an overview of uh, the gearing videos that we have on the website, but all the information that you need to understand your gearing a little bit better. And um, I think it's probably fair to say, Ken, that Gearing is one of those uh, misunderstood sort of areas of rowing that people tend to forget. Would that be right? Oh, absolutely. The The most common question I'd get at a regatta is, uh, what should I set the oars on? It's just all the time. And in fact, the other day I was uh, coaching some master's rowers and someone had changed one of the collars on one of the people in the boat's oars. And she was actually rowing with a 287 length of oar and an 84 centimetre inboard now uh, 84 centimetre inboard no one in the world would row with that and she said it felt pretty uncomfortable not surprising the thing that i find most frustrating i suppose about gearing is that every athlete should have a really good understanding of what the normal gearing is for them and what would suit and they should then be able to check their own rig check the rig on the boat check the oil lengths inboard outboard and make sure that they've got it certainly if it's not exactly what they used to certainly within the range of normality so that they're not going to have a bad row so i think that gearing something that is talked about a bit but it's not well understood and every athlete should have an understanding of the basics of gearing as it applies to them otherwise they're almost guaranteed to end up with a bad row somewhere because they'll use an oar that someone's changed for their purposes and it doesn't suit the boat they're about to use or the athlete using it so yeah, i think gearing's just so important yeah especially for sculling like sculling you need to have two oars that are exactly the same otherwise small differences between the two oars will have a, a large difference on your experience and your ability to maintain a, a you know a race race pace sort of thing and you know if you're in a crew boat obviously you don't want to be rowing on oars that are a different length than um a different length uh total length as well as inboard length from the crewmates because you'll either be able to get through the rowing stroke a lot more quickly than they can um, so you'll be out of time or you won't be able to apply your power properly or you'll have them way too heavy and then you'll be a lot slower than they are through the drive phase and you might have to try and make that up on the recovery and so you're not going to be together the boat's not going to flow and run out nicely and, and things like that so yeah it's, a, it's really important to have you your the gearing the same on both oars and sculling and the same as the other oars in the crew um, but what, what are some of the other the main points about gearing that people might not quite understand or or should at least learn a bit more about well I suppose a couple of fundamental things uh, a lot of people think that span has a direct impact on gearing so if you move the gate closer to the center of the boat or further away they mistakenly feel that actually changes the gearing now it doesn't actually change the gearing of the oar because that's really just a simple calculation of the inboard versus the outboard and so a span is unrelated to that measure. However, if you've got a, a steeper catch angle, so you've got the blade a lot more round to the catch, for example, if you're rowing on a, a catch angle of uh, 55 degrees compared to someone a catch angle of 70 degrees, then the difference is, is very, very significant. Uh, if you think about the, the blade being perpendicular to the boat and call that a gearing level of one, 
and then when it's around on 70 degrees it's it's about eight to 12 times more heavily geared so it's very heavy at the catch if you've got a steeper catch angle mind you there's a lot of merit in having a catch angle and in sculling you'd expect to have a catch angle of about 70 degrees would be somewhat ideal through to a finish of about 40 and so catch angle is a very significant determinant on on the gearing now if you have a steep catch angle then that gives you a lot more gearing as i just mentioned and what it also does is it means that you uh, if you've got a possibility of injury or if you've got a sore back then the gearing a heavily geared boat generated because of a large catch angle is got the potential to help um, hinder the your back injury and so you want to be a little bit mindful where the catch angle is because that's probably the most significant determinant on on gearing the other thing that affects gearing as well is the depth of the blade in the water. If the blade's not well connected, so it's essentially washing close to the surface, then that's going to be less heavy or less heavily geared than if the blade's buried quick and deep and well connected with the water. So those two particular aspects are aspects that are often forgotten when it comes to gearing. And if you're going to have a, a heavily geared oar, i.e. have a small inboard and longer oar, uh, then you need to be very mindful that if you've also got a very steep catch angle that you've made the gearing heavier with the oar rig and you've also made it heavier because of where you're sitting in the boat. And so it's important to understand how these things interact so you don't over-gear yourself and in fact cause injuries or just find that it's too heavy. And if it's too heavy then it's often difficult to take the rating up because uh, you can't just move quickly enough. So gearing can be very important in those particular aspects. So it should be well understood by every coach and athlete. Yeah, so when we're talking about high gearing, we're basically talking about it feeling heavy uh, for the rower. Um, yeah, so high. when we say high gearing, it, it's heavier basically. And yeah, having a, having a greater catch angle is um, one of the things that people don't really think about with gearing as always, just thinking about the oar length and the ratio towards the inboard and while that is important it doesn't have anywhere near as big an impact on the the multiple of of, of uh, gearing that happens with catch angle and as ken said you know you could be up around nine times what you are at the perpen at the perpendicular when you're at the catch and then that's just because the oar isn't uh facing the right direction you're basically squeeze when you place the blade in the water and you're locked on you're actually sort of squeezing the boat and putting a lot of elastic energy into into the rowing boat or system which you'll get back later in the stroke but the consequence of course is it feels really heavy and so generally speaking if you're a, a junior or a, you're new to rowing or you're getting back into rowing uh, you tend to want to have your foot stretcher further towards the bow of the boat, so basically giving yourself a greater finish angle and a smaller catch angle. That will result in your perceived gearing being a lot less. The oars will feel a lot lighter, and it's good if you're building up the load, so the load in your, that your body can handle. So if you're starting off with, from like a small level of fitness and you want to go to a greater level of fitness, you're probably best off starting with a a bigger finish angle, a smaller catch angle, and then as you become fitter, more advanced, um, start moving that foot stretcher, you know, small steps towards the stern of the boat, give yourself a greater catch angle. You probably don't want any more than about 70 degrees in a sculling boat. Um, 
and sort of work your way towards there because once you're a lot fitter, you can get a lot of advantages from having a greater catch angle. The other thing that occurs quite frequently is when people are moving between different classes of boats. And so it's quite common for a single skull to be a different rig than a double, than a quad, and a four compared to an eight and compared to a pair. So in a pair, for example, you may have an oar that's 117 centimetre inboard, uh, but that's because it's got quite a long wide spread. If you think about sculling boats, a single skull can have anywhere normally between a span of 158 through to 160, occasionally wider than that, but not frequently. And the uh, if you go into a quad, then you'll find they tend to be a little bit uh, tighter in that they might be more likely to be 158 centimetres or 159 and similar for a double in the middle. So what this does, it doesn't affect the gearing so much other than the angles that we were talking about, but what it does mean is if you're using one set of oars at a regatta and you're rowing, for example, in a single skull and in a double and in a quad, so to have the same gearing, if the span has changed, then you need to change the oars. Otherwise, you'll find that they don't suit. For example, if you go from a single skull on a span of 160 centimetres and you move into a quad at 159 then you can't use the same oars and expect to get the the same result. The particular issue is that your handles will be closer together, which will make your technique change. Because if the oars, if the gates are one centimetre closer to the centre, if you went from 160 to 158, then that means that your oar handles are going to be two centimetres closer to each other at the finish, which will make your rowing technique different. So in order to to make the gearing the same and keep the because of that span change and keep the handle so they're the same in the boat then you need to change the the oar length and the inboard the simplest way to do this is to uh, use a, a method of calculating it and so it's essentially saying well if we keep the gearing level the same uh, what do the oars need to change if we've changed uh, changed our inboard length or our outboard length and we've got a, an app called Rowing Calc, which works on uh, iPhones, and there's a link to it on our website. Uh, and it's a very useful app to carry around because you can put in there what your uh, measurements are for span, inboard and outboard in the boat you're currently in, and then put in a different variable for one of those in the second part of the screen, and it'll automatically tell you what you need to change the oars and what you need to set them on. So when you're in a regatta situation, it's it's a common problem where people use the same oars that they use for a single scale, for a quad, for a double, but between each of those, frequently they need to change the oars. And neglecting to change the oars just gives you an uncomfortable row and less chance of doing very well. So, so it's important to understand that between different boats, you need to change the oars if the span's been changed. I mean... That's true, but you don't always, like the example you gave of the single uh, going from like 160 to 159, you might just decide that instead of changing the horse, you've got more arc and that will be enough for the extra speed of the quad. Could well be. And the issue with, with faster boats is that you tend to have um, have different gearing for a faster boat. And if everyone's working together, then uh, and it's a good boat with a crew well connected with each other, then you'll find that you can get away with different levels of, of gearing than you would in a single scale. Also, in a single scale, you see the boat slows down a lot between strokes. And so there's a, 
whole different set of force curves applied than you would find in a quad that, that if it's going well, that doesn't drop in speed very much at all compared to a single. So gearing is another way of dealing with issues when you've got a, a crew that's a very strong crew or a crew that's perhaps a little bit weaker. Uh, and if the arc is different, then you may find, as Lachlan was saying earlier, you can put more gearing onto the oars if you don't have uh, as much catch angle. So all these things combine together to make gearing a relatively complex place. Uh, but the critical step really is when you've got your gearing set up so that it works for you is to make sure that when you get into, before you start using your equipment for training or a regatta, just to make sure that, that nothing's changed and so that the gearing still applies. Otherwise, it can be a very uncomfortable experience. Yeah, I think um, it's the the main, the main thing that I, I think people should take away from my perspective is just be confident with how you set your oars up and so be able to set your oars up when you move into a crew boat uh, be able to set other people's oars up. Often you'll have a set of oars that are, are club oars uh, that you row with a certain boat or a certain group of people like the seniors or, or whoever would, would use. And so you have to be really comfortable at, at knowing how the oars work, changing them, making sure they're the same. And, of course, when you when not, when you end up changing the oars to certain lengths, uh, you undo a whole heap of screws or bolts, um, just get in the habit of, doing them up, checking them, making sure they're right before they go on the water. Uh, anyone who's been rowing for any period of time will have multiple stories of, you know, a handle that was loose in an oar that came out when they were rowing or changed. Um, you know, maybe a, a collar slipped. Um, and then you, there's really not a lot you can do on the water. Not many people take screwdrivers and, you know, the specialist, specialized tools that are required for changing oars out on the water. So, it's, um, it's really important to be able to do this and do it quickly and accurately and be able to check what you've done um, so you can make sure on race day you're well prepared for that situation. A simple method to use just to check that everything's right is to uh, stand the oars up against a wall uh, with the handle on the ground or lay them out on the ground and line them up next to each other and you'll be able to very easily see if any of them don't match. That example I mentioned earlier about a lady rowing with an oar that was on 84 inboard, that was only one oar, the other oar was on 89. And so if you put those two oars together then it's clear that there's something not right. And so just simple tests like that to, to check that the oars are about the same length, the collars are in about the same place. Uh, as Lachlan says, the collars are tight, everything's... Um, well screwed up and so there's nothing likely to come loose on the water but just a simple check like that before you get on the water will often save you quite a lot of grief out on the water yeah um with with rowing as well like um with with my own rowing in a single i've tried all sorts of different oar lengths all sorts of different spans um and all sorts of different inboards and the conclusion that i came to quite quite un, in an unsatisfied way was that gearing doesn't make as big a difference as you'd think because because changing one part of the gearing um, will have like a positive effect on one area and it might have a negative effect on another uh, lots of these gearing changes equal out so i've rode my single raced it um you know multiple times on different lengths like all the way from uh like a, a longer 290 oar with um, 88 and a half inboard, around 159 span. 
um, all the way down to um, 80, 88 and a half inboard with an all length of, I think the shortest I rode was two, 293, no, no, two, 283, sorry. And, and when, when the oars are shorter, so I've got a greater inboard to, to all length ratio, um, it's, it feels a lot lighter. You can keep a rhythm a lot, a lot more, uh, successfully. Uh, it feels like you can rate highly, uh, for a long period of time, and that's great. Um, when you've got the oars really long, uh, compared to the inboard, so say 290 long with 88 and a half inboard, it's really heavy. So it's quite hard to maintain a high rating, but of course, you've got more leverage with that oar. And so you actually end up going very similar speeds. And I, I raced, I was doing it, did a test one day, rowing with the oars long. The next day, rowing with the oars short. Um, this was in my, my singles, um, you know, heats and uh, repercharge and stuff up at Nationals one year. And it was perfectly flat, good conditions both days. And the times were within one or two seconds of each other, like something... Um, it was there was no obvious winner, even though I'd made this huge, you know, in inverted commas, you know, huge change to my gearing. It hadn't actually had a reasonable effect, um, and so it, it changed the way the boat felt, but it didn't change the actual speed of the boat, which is what I was really hoping to do. So, yeah, I, I don't know what you what your your experiences can with these sort of things, but. Yeah, I was I was quite annoyed that um, I couldn't find a magic number with with my gearing to make me faster. It just sort of seemed to have no real effect on boat speed. Yep, no, I understand completely. One of the things that I find, though, in, particularly when when coaching school athletes uh, and non elite athletes. Uh, you find that with elite athletes, generally there's a fair bit of effort gone into trying to find the gearing that suits the person. And as you say, a bit of it's to do with how you apply the power. And if you've got different athletes apply power in different ways, and particularly when you're looking at single skulls, you may find that, that you want to set it up heavy for some athletes and lighter for others. Uh, a little bit of a function of sh- strength as well. So if an athlete's a lot stronger, then you tend to uh, lean towards giving them more gearing. I do, however, get frustrated when I see school children uh, rowing with heavily geared oars. And the reason for it is twofold. The first one is that, that if we're trying to get a good catch angle and we've got heavily geared oars and we've got young growing bodies that are of various degrees of fitness, then there's a, a real danger of uh, doing injuries to backs in particular. And so from that too, if you have an athlete that's got a bit of a potential sore back or they, you think that they may be at risk of that, then I'd suggest the easiest thing to do is to give them less load. Also what happens is that if an athlete tries to really pick up the load heavily at the catch, i.e. really stamp that foot plate hard, then that's a lot of load on the body. If instead they pick up the load more gently, place the blade, get well connected and then gradually accelerate from that point through to the finish, you find there's a lot less load on the back. So what I suggest you do, of course, is try to get the athletes to row so they row correctly and pick up the load and then accelerate from that point but if you've got someone who's who's really uh, too aggressive at the catch and they're hard to change that aggression then i'd suggest reduce their catch angle lighten their load a little bit just so you have less chance of an injury the other thing that happens with school rowing 
is that when they're in a race situation, you need to have a few weapons at your disposal to see if you can increase the speed over the crew next to you and leave someone behind or catch someone in a normal racing situation. And if you've got a very heavily geared oar, then without a fair bit of experience, it's difficult to know how to increase the rate because generally they, the only way you can do it effectively in that situation is to is to shorten up. And shortening up is, is, a, is a fine technique in, in racing and gets used frequently in order to get the rate up and to get a bit faster boat speed for a short burst. The problem with it, though, is that it's also in a crew boat difficult if people don't do it all together. So you'll find that if you have a lighter gearing in a, in a school boat, then it gives the crew another weapon that they can use in a race in order to be able to take the rate up. So if you've got a very heavily geared oar and you're in an eight, for example, you may find that you can roll along down the course at about 33, 34, but to take it up to 40 is pretty hard. Take it up to 44 is really difficult unless you shorten up a lot. But if you've got a relatively lightly geared oar, then it's quite a lot easier for a, a, a crew that's not very experienced to take the rating up because it just doesn't feel so heavy and you would have had experience with a number of crews in that situation i imagine lachlan where the rating's hard to move or it's easy to move depending on a number of factors yeah um i think people are very quick to blame the gearing when you can't get the rating up during a race for example like they say oh it's too heavy Uh, a lot of that can be just down to the fact that the crew isn't moving well together they haven't got the catch in properly for example is common culprit and they haven't got the legs on quickly if people don't connect and get the legs on quickly as a crew it's going to feel quite heavy as well and so yeah I, i think if you if you blinded people to changes in or gearing, so heavier geared oars, uh, lighter geared oars, um, so they had no way of telling, you sent them out for a race, I think it would be quite difficult for them to pick exactly what gearing they had. So while, while gearing is is important and it does change the weight of things, uh, other things that change it, you know, especially in crew boats, is you know timing the technique around the catch, the blade depth is a huge, huge one. You can just try it when you go out rowing next time. Um, you know, take some strokes with a really shallow blade. Like just think about putting your blade just under the surface of the water or barely in the water, and then do some strokes where it's really deep. Uh, you won't have changed your gearing on your oars at all, but the way it feels in your hands, how connected and like locked into the water it feels, is going to be a huge change. Um, one other thing with gearing at the catch, um, I really like having a great, a large catch angle because it makes it easier for me to get the blade in the water because it's sort of further around to the direction that the boat's going in. Um, it's a lot easier to place it in the water, but it's very heavy there. So if you've got uh, a set of medium or stiff oars, it's going to be really uncomfortable having a great, a large catch angle unless you're very, 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 very fit. So there's enough varies in there to, to sort of get the point across. Uh, so I've got a, a set of Wintech soft oars, and I like a large catch angle. So I've got the big catch angle. It's going to be really heavy when I get my blade in the water, but the perceived weight in the handles isn't as much for me because uh, the oar has a lot of give in it. It's, a lot, it's kind of bendy, and so it takes up, a lot of the strain in that potential potential energy that's going to come back later in the stroke. But it doesn't feel as heavy and it doesn't feel like I'm putting my body under so much stress. Um, I borrowed some friends, uh, 
you know, stiffer, stiffer oars. You know, they're designed to go fast, and I've got no doubt that they're very good at moving a boat quickly. They're just brutal on the body. And so that's why, even though they can make oars that are completely stiff, that, that barely bend at all, um, they typically make oars so they do bend a little bit because otherwise it is too uncomfortable to row. Yeah. Another thing that's important to remember too in a, in a crew boat is that uh, your catch is meant to feel sort of heavy. It's you're connected to the water and you need to be well connected. But if you think about it, if you've got a, a quad or an eight and they're rowing along and one person's got their blade in and well connected before everyone else, then essentially at that point they've got the load of the entire boat. And so that's really heavily geared for them. The weight is very heavy rowing stroke. And so, as Lachlan says, the most important thing is to be able to be together. And you'll pick differences too, and we've got videos on this as well, where where if one person's a little bit earlier into the water, in a double, for example, and the other person's not into the water at the same time, then you'll find that it's heavy for the first person. And then when the second person gets connected, they get this jolt because they pick up the load. And so... Same thing applies if someone's holding their blade in well at the finish and the other person in the boat or the others are not, then they've got all the load at that point. So there's so many things that affect how heavy the boat feels and the predominant one probably is is are the crew together. Have they got the oars in at the same time? Are they playing, playing the particular muscle groups at the same time? If someone's opening up early compared to someone who's opening up late, then that's going to change the the gearing through the stroke or the weight through the stroke. So the most important thing, I think, to take away from this is to make sure that the gearing that you've got is normal for your category. And so, as I say, not 84 inboard. So just make sure that it's normal and you know what that is. And then uh, essentially forget about the gearing and focus on your technique. And that way you'll get better results every time, I would expect. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's something I think I've heard, I think my coach uh, John used to say or says that uh, gearing's the easiest thing to change with rowing and therefore people focus on it a fair bit because you can actually make a change. You can change the oars from a certain length to another length and try and make a positive impact but we're talk- probably talking like as long as the the boat isn't geared you know in a wacky way i guess like certain things aren't like symmetrical things like that and it's within normal range you're probably looking at about maybe less than five percent of improvement would come from gearing um as long as it's sort of normal uh maybe maybe even smaller than that it's it's t- it's absolutely tiny compared to fitness and technique, you know, maybe I'd put as long as you have an all right fitness, all right technique, you'd probably say that fitness is maybe like eighty percent of the game, maybe a bit more even at a high level. Then technique, um, obviously, if you haven't been rowing at all, you say you haven't got the basic technique, then technique's going to be ninety percent of it. But yeah, it soon becomes a fitness game at the higher levels, and barely any rigging changes of are worthwhile and you know lots of other things i think um yeah one of the one of the things that my coach was telling me was that when he was coaching australian crews they used to at one point they used to measure everyone's foot plate uh all the angles all the positions all the distances in front of the pin 
you know, everything like that. And every time someone changed seat, they change all, like, you know, 50 different things to do with their rigging to make it optimal for them. Um, and it was just a nightmare and probably didn't have much effect. Now they've gone back to a much more simple, everyone rows on the same rigging unless there's a, a large exception that needs to be catered for. So um, try and set your boat up within normal, normal-ish realm. Uh, make sure it's all the same and things aren't out. But uh, no, that's that's pretty much the end of it for your focus on gearing. You've got much bigger fish to fry if you want to become faster at rowing. No doubt. And so I'd suggest if you're looking at beginner crews and school crews, then if in doubt, I'd make it a little bit lighter in the gearing and then focus on technique because that's where the changes come from and that's where the speed comes from. Yeah, it'll it'll feel better if it's lighter. um, It'll feel nicer to row. Um, But, yeah, having said that, some people, if you've got singles, they like rowing with heavier gearing. They like the sort of loading up and holding that load throughout the the stroke and yeah there's very little research that's been done on you know different fiber muscle types like fast and slow twitch and the way you rig your boat for example um there's probably something there when it comes to to this sort of thing but it's just something that people haven't really looked into so yeah i think the only critical thing i'd like to finish on is that if you've got uh, a regatta situation and you've got boats that have got different spans then in order to have a comfortable row then you want to make sure that you get the oars um, set for the right level so uh, they suit how you row which is essentially making sure your inboard's correct and that your gearing doesn't get out of line compared to what you're used to or what's the design so at regattas um, get the app and have a look and, and make sure that when you do change a set of oars, just make it so that you're consistent in what you're changing rather than guessing. I'd strongly suggest don't go, as I've seen some people do, and say, oh, I'll just add another centimetre here or there without actually understanding what it does because it doesn't take too many centimetres added here and there to find that you've got a gearing that's quite different from what you expected. Yeah, and um, I think if someone's complaining that it's too heavy or too light, uh, look at their technique first, then look at their technique second, and then thirdly, maybe think about their gearing. Sometimes they, their gearing will definitely need fixing, but most of the time it's a technical issue, a timing issue, something like that. One of the old statements that we I've heard a lot over the years is, um, don't blame your tools. Uh, gearing is one of those things that's really easy to say there's something wrong with the boat, whereas mostly when people have said there's something wrong with the boat then you go and check it and there's yeah it might be out by a little bit but not enough to make the difference the difference is in in changing their technique to suit the crew rather than trying to muck around with details in the boat yeah typically people that are more ocd you know myself included sometimes with rowing uh yeah they'll if they're an anxious person they like focusing on details they like controlling things uh, they'll probably have an unhealthy obsession with the rigging and it's up to you as a coach and if you're the athlete, obviously it's up to you as well to try and manage that expectation of of how, how small rigging is in the grand scheme of things. If you're satisfied that it's close to normal range, um, then you really need to shelve it, you know, pour your attention into something else.
So if you want to have a look at the videos that we've been talking about during this podcast, uh, you head to our website. It's under rigging and down the bottom we're talking about gearing specifically. Uh, rigging and gearing is one of those sort of visual visual ideas. Um, it's really important to sort of see it. Uh, one of the books I'd recommend if you're interested in learning a bit more about gearing is uh, Valerie Kleshnev's book on, uh, it's called Biomechanics of Rowing. Um, I think you can get it from his website, BioRow, or um, uh, like a Kindle version uh, of Amazon, uh, which I got. And the first time I read that book, I was just amazed at how clear the rowing stroke and the, the mechanics of rowing came. Uh, it's very concise. It's relatively easy to understand, and I'd highly recommend getting a copy of it. Um, so until next time, happy rowing.